Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. This is the Don't Punt Hour with former Nebraska receiver. Throwing over the middle, completes the pass. He's got speed to the end zone. Touchdown. 45 yards. And return specialist. This time he beats the kicker in one more. DeMornay Pearson out. Only does the sideline have confidence in Pearson out, but Pearson has confidence in Pearson On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right, welcome back into Ticket Weeknights. I'm Harrison Arns on the ones and twos. Back here, as always, at the 1040 Ticket Studios. And, of course, we have the host, as always, calling in on the Allo VIP line where they understand the importance of exceptional service with a local heart. We'll go ahead and bring him in. Good morning, Pierce Snow. How's it going on what is a gorgeous Monday night? It got up to 80 degrees here in Lincoln, believe it or not. Uh, it's actually going really, really good. Uh, you know, I'm happy to not be cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, well said right there. Uh, speaking of things not being cold, Nebraska basketball certainly being one of them. We had a little bit of time to talk about it before they did get to that game over the weekend. They play Minnesota, they get revenge, and they have another big double-digit win, really helping their case as they get towards March Madness. Just quick overall thoughts, their game versus Minnesota, and we can dive more into it. Um, you know, it, it was needed. Like, like I said, as long as they take care of business and win the game, um, that, that were needed, you know, um, that, that, that isn't going to do anything, but, you know, strengthen their schedule. Um, you know, you lost to a team, you, you early in the season, you split with them. Um, you know, you went on the road. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're going down the checklist and they're doing what they're supposed to. And hopefully, you know, it, it lands higher than it can be. Yeah, and right now they're still kind of slated in that 10, but they're actually getting some votes now in the AP Top 25. Uh, felt like a long time coming, but again, this is a program that doesn't have a lot of history to it. I think that shows up when this team uh, is getting votes, but they actually, I think they got seven votes officially for that AP Top 25, 25 poll, uh, so things are definitely trending up. Just quick notes from that game versus Minnesota. It was not pretty. Uh, to start the game, I think most Nebraska fans were just happy the defense was there because the offense certainly wasn't, but they do end up picking it up. Uh, again, it wasn't a great night shooting for Nebraska. 9 of 28 from the three-point line, 24 for 61 uh, overall from the floor. So not necessarily great offensive numbers, but the defense. Defense, defense, defense really stuck out. Josiah Alec in particular uh, seemed like he was all over. What impressed you? For Nebraska defensively in their game versus Minnesota, um, they're I feel like they're being more consistent um, with you know with that identity. Um, you know, speaking about it last week uh, of you know just being a little bit more physical, mm-hmm. um, they're gelling, and um, you know you you gotta you gotta start somewhere to start a run, and if that's you know being more consistent on, on that end. You know the offense will come. Like I said, regardless of if we're up high or we're down low, we know we can fight back into games in a half. So um, to know that you know that's kind of becoming a little bit more comfortable and that's showing his head at this point in time in the season when you know the tournament is about to come, especially you know with you know the Big Ten tournament and you know March Madness coming and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think again, like it, it's it's hitting an, another checkpoint on the list. You know, your, your identity is starting to emerge. You know, the type of team that uh, you know that you can be, um, and, and they're hitting that. So hopefully, again, if they can just put together a whole game and they if they can start doing that, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you because they put together a whole game defensively, offensively. Yeah. It just was a little tight at the beginning, and it, it definitely felt that way for Nebraska, but certainly on Minnesota's end, the problem for Minnesota was they were on the road, and they certainly never really got comfortable. I know Dawson Garcia was kind of the guy that most people circled. How are we going to stop Dawson Garcia? He's just a freaky. He's got a quick bounce. Uh, those taller athletic forward slash centers, when they got the second jump, those are the teams that seem to really play well against Nebraska, but wasn't the case for Dawson Garcia. He only finishes with 10 points, two for six from the floor, mm-hmm. one from three from the three-point line. Uh, and overall, the team, Minnesota, six for 23 from the three-point line. So it was a better game defending the perimeter, and part of that was it just felt like Minnesota, with the amount of rotations going on, especially in that first half, there's a point where it just looked like Minnesota was completely, I don't want to say giving up on the game, but Giving up on the first half, there was three possessions in a row for Minnesota uh, that ended up turning into turnovers, and you just credit Nebraska's willingness to play solid defensively, and Juwan Gary, he's a big part of that as well. He was more offense, but just a cool and collective throughout that entire game, alongside Josiah Alec. I mentioned it already, but he's really starting to come alive, and as you're heading down the stretch, Nebraska, once again, is looking like one of the better Big Ten teams. And as you're heading to the tournament, you want to be playing your best basketball. Uh, Jawan Gary certainly is. Do do you worry at all about C.J. Wilcher's cold streak? Or do you think by the time we get past the Big Ten tournament and we finally get into March Madness, knock on wood there, do you you worry at all about C.J. Wilcher's efficiency at this point in the season? No, um, just just because, I mean, basketball is a game of runs. You're hot Mm -hmm. and you're cold. You're hot and you're cold. Um... You know, he he just needs to catch a spark. Once he catches sparks, you know that 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 adds in. We we know he can do it. Uh, we've seen it and everything like that. So I'm not I'm not worried at all. Um, you know, it's just you know, like I said, what we have what three games left uh, in the regular season. Yeah, just so, three. Um, yeah, so you know, just again, I guess not, it's not a big thing. You know, his shots will come. You know, his his game will start start to start to fill out. But I, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, I think I think he'll find a game, and that's one thing with this roster. Although it hasn't been great for C.J. Wilcher, really since he brought the team back single-handedly versus Wisconsin, he's kind of had a cold run here. But when you have guys like Juwan Gary, even when Casey isn't having a great night, his parents were in town for the last game versus Minnesota, he didn't have a great night. There's enough pieces around where you don't have to completely put the game on these guys' shoulders. It gets spread out enough. The assist numbers, let me double-check here. I think they're good. Yeah, 14 assists as well. Uh, beat Minnesota there. Minnesota... Speaking of stats, only six assists on the night. Again, just a testament to Nebraska's defense and willingness to take away that second extra pass. Uh, but again, you have a lot of weapons on this team. So I think C.J. Wilcher, although it's not been great for him as of late, I'm not going to worry about it too much. I think he will catch a spark here, whether Big Ten tournament or knock on one March Madness. Uh, there's enough help around this roster. With that being said, though, there's three games left. Is there a chance for Nebraska just to go ahead and clean out the schedule and maybe even get higher than a nine? Is it possible, do you think, for this team to bust in to that six, probably at the ceiling for in terms of seeding? I think I think if they win all three, they have that that, that that's arguable to go for us. 
Um, you know, that, that'll be over 20 wins. You know, you can say what you want about the road. You, you end the game, you end the season out, you know, with what, four road victories, regardless of how the Big Ten is and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're picking up steam. Um, if they win all three, I expect them to be higher than a 10 seed. I'm with you there. I think they, because they're starting to finally get that notoriety in the AP poll, it looks like the the crowd's kind of saying, like, go ahead. If you get two more conference road wins, even though it's Ohio State, even though it's Michigan, those are still road games. If you can find a way to get yeah. both of those and then get your revenge on Rutgers, you tie that series up, you've got a solid win against just about every team in the conference here outside of Iowa, unfortunately. So if you take care of that, I'm right there with you. I think they can have a serious shot to even not just maintain what looked like a really weak schedule of time. I wasn't expecting this team to go on, uh, what is it now, four game, five game winning streak as it is now. If they clean up the slate here, it's definitely possible for them to move up. And another exciting thing, how electric would it be for you if we get the bid and not only that, we get the Midwest bid and you have Nebraska basketball playing in March Madness right here in Omaha? Uh, I know the city will be on fire. <laughs> yeah, because um, I'd be Creighton too, obviously. And- and, and and good luck with any team that has to that has to go to the poll because <laughs> yeah. that is I mean that I honestly like that that's what you would want um, you know so if like I said they take care of business and get that and everything like that like you're 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 making people come to have having to go through you on your home court and statistically we've been a better home playing team so why wouldn't you want that you know why wouldn't you strap in for you know these last three games. Handle business, like I said. You know, the defense has been there. You know, you mm-hmm. either 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 with not having you know that good of a shooting or whatever. You know, like I said, just take just take care, get the wins that you're supposed to win. And even you know, even if they get two out of the three, I still think you know, okay, maybe you know, anywhere from nine, possibly two to seven. Yeah, it's, you can still it's possible. You can you can you can you can you can still get that. So. Um, even if they drop one, like I'm, I, that still doesn't, you know, make or break it. But if they get all three, oh yeah, for sure. Like it, I, that that is ideal, and I know that that that's something that they're probably talking about. Hopefully, you know, not talking too much ahead, but mm-hmm. you know, we take care of one game at a time and everything like that. Uh, you know, a lot of people gonna have to come through us, and they gonna have to go through <laughs> Lincoln, and that's not e- that's not easy. Yeah, as we've seen, the only teams able to get it done against Nebraska at home so far being Creighton, the only other team Mm -hmm. in Nebraska who probably had some fans, I'm sure, make their way down there. Um, And if you saw that game, too, it it certainly felt like a home game for Nebraska, but you saw a lot of Creighton Blue Jays in that student section as well. So if they can get this one in Omaha, my God, you'd feel a lot better about your chances with this team in the tournament because uh, about a 45-minute drive for most people in the Lincoln area, and a lot of fans travel from outside of Lincoln to get to these games. So if there's a chance for Nebraska to do this in Omaha – that's a home right, court right there, advantage. Right there, right, pretty much. I mean, you know, so, I mean, you you still play in the state. So, I mean, why why not? That that's definitely something to get excited for. Um, you gotta you would have a chance to you know get your first you know uh, tournament win on home soil. Oh. So I'm like, getting excited yeah, just thinking about it. Morning, <laughs> just the first again, tournament so, win. Uh, uh, again, so like I said, you know. Two out of three. If, if they, if we, I, I believe they can get three. Um, they're very, it's very manageable with how they've been playing these last past couple of games. You know, don't mind the streak, the five game win streak. You know, just one one game at a time. Take care of what we're supposed to. 
play how we're supposed to um, night in and night out. And, you know, when you look up, you know, you, you'll be exactly where, you know, you should be at. Yeah. In, when it comes to the, I'm with you, the, these three games are totally possible. Michigan, I, especially considering it's going to be the last game of the regular season, uh, the way that season's gone with John Howard and company, I don't know how, how in it that team's going to be. It's not a team you want to walk in on and fall asleep, but again, I think that's definitely a team, even though it's on the road, you should be able to take care of. Ohio State will be a test because they're still really fighting to try to make some sort of run in this Big Ten tournament coming up. And then Rutgers. Mm -hmm. Rutgers is not out of the picture either. So you got to take care of business with Rutgers as they're going to be thinking the same thing. We need to get start some momentum. Regular season-wise, they're all looking at Nebraska. Hey, if we can beat Nebraska, that's a really good win. And then we just need to go ahead and try to make some sort of run in the Big Ten tournament. So these teams, although they are not might be entirely in it, uh, you can't expect to walk in and these be easy wins. Michigan maybe being the most out of those because they really have no shot whatsoever, even if they have a good Big Ten tournament run. Uh, with that being said, though, we'll, we'll kind of keep tabs on that. The next game for Nebraska Hoops, they got Ohio State. That's the February 29th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so make that 5.30 our time. But again, it's looking good. Your four and six quad one record, three and two quad two, six and oh quad three, seven and oh quad four. So that right there, it's a solid resume. Uh, and you just got to keep building on it. But that being said, though, since we're on the topic of college hoops, uh, I'm sure we talked about the Caitlin Clark. Ohio State flop incident, or I shouldn't say flop incident. I thought it was a flop against Clark. The Duke-Wake Forest incident, a little different. Haven't heard nearly as many people saying that's a quote-unquote flop from the Duke player. But with these sudden rises in complaints from coaches, from players, when it comes to students rushing the courts after big games, is, does something more need to be done about students storming the courts? Because it's, uh, no. no pun intended, it's caught the no. sports conversation by a storm. <laughs> No, no. Basketball, the, people complain about anything. They've yes. been rushing fields. They've been rushing courts since the beginning of the time. And now all of a sudden, now it's too dangerous. First of all, they got police out there that's, you know, going after the players necessarily, you know, getting them off the court. So every now and then you might have a situation like that. The Caitlin Carr situation, that was a flop. Come on now. Like, yeah, uh, 100%. You, you, you run your mouth, you like the trash talk, you, you talk that talk, but yet when that happens, you, come on now, like, you, which, which player are you? Like, I, I think she, she, you know, I think she's a great athlete. Um, I, I like, you know, the intensity that she brings to the game, but I'm like, come on now, like, you're bigger than that. I don't understand if you mad or whatever. I wouldn't, I would rather her shove the girl more than that, more than that. Like, come on now. But, um, you know, they, People go through metal detectors. People get, uh, you know, wanted. There's no way physically, unless somebody swings at, you know, uh, an athlete, and that hasn't happened. Um, it comes with the territory. I think, you know, it, it, it's being blown out of the water. Um, so it, it comes with the game. Like I don't, I don't think like it should be stopped. Um, you know, that, that's a part of that. That that's something that you want to happen when you beat, you know, a, a, a top opponent or opponent that you're not supposed to, uh, you know, win against. So I think there is just another thing to talk about. And at the end of the day, you know, I haven't seen any ill intentions from any of the fans. Like, you know, they just happen to be caught in a crossfire. Um, so I, I think they're blowing it out of proportion and people with the coaches can be mad and upset and they're just trying to find excuses or something to point at like that, that, that didn't hurt any of the teams, their next game or the game that they just played. So they're 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's ridiculous. Like, if this is, we've always been doing this. This is nothing new. And as unknown texter 5153 says, it's the softening of America these days. Um, you can call it whatever Agreed. it is, but I think it's soft. Until I see a coach where they're the winning team complain about our fans really need to stop storming the court to protect the other team's safety, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear a coach after a loss complain about the court storming. Don't you never hear it. From the team that wins the game and their fans do it. I get it. Maybe it's just bad timing. But if you really care about athletes' health, you're going to tell your own fans not to do it either. You're not going to just say it after a bad loss, after you're upset. Uh, It's crazy to me that this is a conversation. I understand a player can get hurt. You can get hurt a lot of different ways. I can get hurt today if I trip over my own feet. It's just you can walk off the you can walk off the sidewalk and get hurt. Like, <laughs> like like I said, unless I see some fans literally, you know, just winding back and rushing in yes. and you know hitting a player, like yeah, okay, but that's fine and dandy. Other than that, the most what you see is them rushing up with them talking with the phone in their hand. Okay, you you emotionally upset. I get it. It it is what it is. And like I said, if you look around the court, there are security personnel, there are police personnel that typically get the players the coaches out of there pretty quickly so like it's not like oh no for maybe 15 seconds maybe maybe you know like they they might be in a crossfire other than that like there's typically a line to get the players into the players and coaches into the locker room like it happens pretty quickly i'm not buying it like it is what it is take your lick stop complaining try next week or you know try the next game it's yeah. not that it's not, it's not, it's d- doing that is not hurting you or affecting, you know, your team. Nobody's getting hurt. Yeah. And uh, just quick update on uh, Filipowski's injury, the Duke player, uh, his, his knee got hit during the court storming. That was the injury. They did not disclose the severity of it. Uh, they're still quote unquote awaiting medical results, uh, but he's still able to practice. So it's probably not that bad. I'm imagine Wednesday's their next game, Louisville. If he's still able to practice in their games Wednesday, he's going to be fine. All right. He, he started every game and I understand that stuff shouldn't happen, but if it does, it clearly wasn't that bad of an injury. And to have this meltdown that we need to stop the court storming, we need to start, you know, finding students, locking them up, whatever it may be. It's just total insanity. What is that going to do? Take the fun out of college hoops. That's what it's going to do. They're, they're, they're college students. They're already paying for school. Now you want to find them for Come on, man. Be realistic. Like, stop that. Stop that. Come on. Like, I understand that you're mad. I understand that you, you know, you, you, you overlooked the game or your people didn't perform. I get it. Um, situations happen. Um, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it, it was very, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, an active thought to go out there and hurt that player. It, it just happened. So I, I get it. I understand that. Maybe the fans, you know, are more cautious with, you know, surroundings and everything like that. Or it's, you know, both parts can, both parts can be better necessarily of understanding your surroundings. Like, okay, we move, take that and move on. Yeah. And I, I hear a lot of times people talking about, oh, the NBA doesn't do this. The NBA doesn't do this. There was one of the craziest court stormings in the NBA. In a game seven NBA finals, there was a court storming. Like when there's excitement, you to have this idea that it doesn't happen in the NBA is ridiculous, too. It's like obviously it doesn't happen as much. It's a pro sport. They're just fans, and the bands are a lot more severe. It's, but it has it's happened. It's college. It's college. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that there's, there's, the rules are different from the NBA and college all around. So what are we talking about? 
Like, yeah, and if you're the coach, and 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 in the in the in the finals, I can see that happening more. Yeah, the stakes are higher. That's completely different. You know what I'm saying? And it does definitely happen um, at, in the finals and whatnot. You see everybody going crazy. Not necessarily the fans, but uh, like, come on now, like, like stop that. Like, because there's examples of that happening. I don't want to hear it. I'm right there with you. I think we agreed on this uh, one a lot more than I, than I thought we did so, because I'm just totally right there with you. To me, it's if you know that this is a game where the opposing team is probably going to storm the court, the head coach, it starts with you for the player's safety. If you think there's a situation where it's possible and you see the game, you know where that locker room tunnel or whatever that tunnel is, and it's your job to get those players' attention and be like, all right, let's guys, come on, get off the court. I, Obviously, it's going down. A, Don't walk slowly off the court because there's got, a ton I of fans. A, I got a question. And Shoot. this is just, you know, what's football. Every, or a, a statement, every year Michigan plays Ohio State. Mm-hmm. After that game every year, the fans typically rush the field. I have not heard any, and, and they hate each other. Nothing's happened. Neither side, oh, we don't want this to happen or, or anything like that. And people are competing. Nobody, no, no, no side, you know, never, never complains. And honestly, I think this is the first year that I'm really hearing people complain about fans in basketball. Mm-hmm. People complain about fans rushing the court. That happens in football a couple of times a, a year. And I, I don't hear anything. No, no, you know, no problems with people uh, stemming off player safety, this and this and that. So it's, it's like, man, come on. You play indoors. And you play in a, it's no heat, it's, it's not too cold, you're just upset at the loss. I get that fine, and then, okay, let your rooms keep it pushing. It, like, it's not it's not as big as you're necessarily making. Yeah, so court storming. Who would have thought that's a problem today where all of a sudden everyone thinks that's a huge problem and we need to start fining or penalizing these students somehow uh, for storming the damn court after an exciting college basketball game. My opinion, I think, is pretty much the same as yours. It's ridiculous. It was never a problem before just because there's a couple incidents this year, which one of them to me, as you said before, I think it was a complete flop on Clark's part. Uh, the second one with Duke, the injury doesn't seem to be as bad as everyone is making it to be. It seems like he's going to be able to suit up Wednesday just fine. So to make this a problem uh, to where we need to have these exhausted, long conversations about the health and safety of these student-athletes when court storming has always been a thing is utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Let the college kids just have fun, especially with, you mentioned it, how much tuition costs now. I better get to storm the court at least once uh, throughout my four years at a university because I'm definitely paying for some sort of experience, and I hope that'd be in there somewhere. But with that being said, I think we'll put a pin on it. I think we got most of our frustrations voiced on how we feel about the court storming conversation in terms of college hoops. So we'll throw it to break here. This is the Don't Punt Hour. We got Demorne Pearsonell on the Allo VIP line. He'll be joining us on the stream next. We do got a question from TMZ, not the TMZ, but a TMZ2 <laughs> Uh, chiming in. We'll answer that one to start up the next segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Don't Punt Hour with the Morning Personnel. This is the Don't Punt Hour on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here is your host, the Morning Personnel. All right, welcome back in to Ticket Weeknights. Harrison Arns once again on the ones and twos back here at the 1040 Ticket Studios. And again, if you guys ever want to join the show, Sardar Heyman text line, that's always open for you, uh, regardless of the show. 402-464-5685 is that Sardar Heyman text line. Put a face to the voice, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, 
Allo Channel 961. And of course, let's bring him in. The host, as always, the morning personnel on the Allo VIP line. We do got a question from YouTube. This one's from TMZ, uh, TMZ2. He says, DPE, you broke a wheel earlier in your career. How hard was it to come back uh, to your, he says, to your form as a holy terror in your freshman year, explosive players are always at risk of losing that slight edge. So, Demarni Pearson, I know it's kind of a long story, uh, but you can kind of pick <laughs> up where you want on that injury and how hard it was to kind of come back from that. Uh, you know, the, I'll probably say like the first three months were, were hard. Um, after you kind of get in a routine, it was fine. Um, it probably took me a year probably to get out of my own head to actually just be comfortable to move how I would want to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that just comes with, you know, with overtime and everything like that, just trusting, you know, that things are going to be fine. You know, uh, after every hit, I was like, oh, I'm okay. Is it, you know, is it, is it working? Can I move my leg? Okay, I'm fine. So it took me uh, close to a year um, to really, you know, get situated and be fine. But when I get mad or angry or pissed off, I, I had flashes early on of me playing regular or playing how, you know, how I became after, mm-hmm. after uh, a year out of the injury. So you said it obviously takes a while to get back. When were you fully confident that you, you have that full strength back? Um, or was that always something in your head where you wondered, did I ever lose anything? Or do you feel pretty good about your recovery process? I feel, I feel pretty good. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. Like I said, it was more so me mentally, like, you know, in my own head. Right. I would probably say after the knee injury, it probably took that bowl game. Uh, the bowl game was probably when I was like, I was really like out of my head mm-hmm. on that. Like, okay, I'm actually back in playing, um, you know, typically how, how I would and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always, it's always a wonder because there's certainly some of those injuries more so, I feel like you see it in basketball, in particular with the shorter guards. You can think of Kemba Walker, Rajon Rondo, uh, just as a couple. When they lose that step, it becomes incredibly hard. But, of course, they're trying to finish at a rim that's 10 foot up in the air. Uh, a little bit different when you're trying to find that verticality as opposed to just strength and speed. But with that being said, um, you know, that's kind of the the updates on the, the injury for DeMarni Pearsonell. And it's always one of those things where, of course, coming back can always be brutal. But one thing I will say... When you came back, was your impact on the team, did it take time to kind of re-fit into your role? What was that process like? You, you feel strong. You feel like you got your strength back. In terms of getting back into your team role, after things have changed, people have kind of moved around to fill those voids. What was that like, trying to get back your niche in the offense? Uh, that was the mental part. Mm. Uh, that was, you know, one of the more irritating and upsetting uh points of trying to figure out stuff um at times at times you know they would use me at times you know they wouldn't um and it was never anything that was more so wrong with me it was just making sure um you know okay like am i going to be used this game is it kind of like one of those type of games for me to kind of go off or, or not um and then it was just you know a constant like i said a, a mental battle um but uh, you know, roles happen, and, you know, I, I kind of got used to, like, okay, if, if it's one of them games, then I'll be fine. And if not, then, you know, I'll figure out how to be more useful or take my aggression out, you know, more so on blocking or something like that. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, you know, something you got to move around with. Um, 
And like I said, you know, Dylan was that majority of the year. Um, you know, after that, after the 2015 year, um, just figuring exactly because, you know, like, as you said, um, you know, they found other ways to get things done. I wasn't necessarily being used the same way. Um, and it was just kind of, you know, waiting or kind of seeing. And then, you know, things got back to more so how uh, I want and how uh, how I wanted to be used, how I thought I was going to be used, you know, more so like my senior year. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, my junior year, I got hurt or my uh, sophomore year, I got hurt, mm-hmm. um, you know, two times in the same year. So they kind of figured it out. And then, you know, they went that next year, you know, they went with what, you know, was working for them the year before. So, you know, I had to, you know, sit a little bit or, you know, not necessarily be as used as, as I would like. Um, but I mean, I still found my role and it was never, you know, aimed at my teammates or anything like that. Right. Um, that's just kind of, you know, what the situation was and you kind of figure it out and iron things out as, as they, as they went. Absolutely. And as uh, TMZ says, once again, he says, good stuff. Hopefully the kids listen up uh, as we break from this conversation. What's one piece of advice we were, we were talking uh, on some of the earlier shows about high school football coming up. There's a lot of, a lot of good athletes in the Nebraska area, particularly for football in these yeah. upcoming years piece of advice for any of those kids, whether basketball, football, volleyball, even whatever it may be, when injuries happen, what's one thing uh, that you really learned that helped you get through that entire process and come out of it with your head on straight? Um, you know, you're never in things by yourself. Um, and it's okay to, like, open up and talk to someone um, about stuff, parents, uh, coaches, um, you know, with my injury, you know, I was talking to a sports psychologist, mm-hmm. um, you know, my last two years, and that really helped me. So nothing about that is wrong. It's okay to, you know, open up about things you're frustrated about, scared about, uh, you know, cause it, it's a release, and, it, you know, it, it can help you, you know, let things go, let frustration go. So don't be afraid to, you know, uh, to, to reach out and, you know, talk to somebody, if, even if it is a coach. You know, a coach can kind of get things going, get things going to get you, you know, seeing a therapist or uh, getting you talking to somebody that can help you, you know, um, kind of get through that. Um, and it's not, it's not, injuries, you can always come back from them. So it's not the end of the world, you know, it's just, you know, a, a higher peak that you got to kind of, kind of climb out of and everything like that. So, you know, just keep rolling and, you know, it's all, it's all right to let, let people in to help you get back to where you want to get back to. Absolutely. Well said. Well, good words to listen to for anyone out there who's going through anything like that or listen back on YouTube if yeah, unfortunately happen to run into that situation. Because again, uh, can't state it enough. Feels like Lincoln and Omaha area in particular, I don't even want to leave out my home area, Northeast Nebraska. Just a lot of good athletes <laughs> coming out of the area lately. Um, so definitely take that sports psychology seriously and all the injury stuff because you never know uh, who you're going to need to lean on to get through that stuff. Speaking of psychology, though, let's try to figure out the psychology of the Los Angeles Lakers, and what do they want to Ooh. do with LeBron James? He got a Brian Windhorse. He tweets out, I think LeBron is angling to sign a multi-year deal in the offseason with the Lakers. That will be nine figures. So we're talking billion-dollar deal. That will be even bigger uh, than the deal is now. So LeBron James, obviously offseason, angling for what Brian Windhorse thinks is a bigger contract. Are the Lakers... Should the Lakers pull on that contract? Um, are they foolish to not pull the trigger? Where are you at with LeBron James? And if the Lakers should resign him, I think they're I think they're going to sign him, resign him again. But 
if you're pushing to make a championship, why are you going to give him so much money to where you won't be able to put pieces around to get things done? And knowing LeBron was being in, you know, situations of how of what he was in with Miami and everything like that, um, I, I don't. I think you know he'll get to a number, you know, a three maybe four year deal of X of whatever it is um, to get stuff situated. But you know, LeBron's not the issue with the team. You know, it's it's other pieces and having him being able to help. You know, he's getting up there and he's still averaging you know twenty something points and how many ever assists. So I don't think they're gonna let him go. His son. Uh, you know, it's right there in college, um, still and everything like that. He wants to be in the area. Um, I think he's at a point in his career to where, you know, more so what's comfortable with winning now um, is, is bigger than him. He, he, the money thing, he didn't made, you know, how many ever much money through, you know, endorsements, deal, Nike and whatnot and everything like that. So why not, you know, okay, whatever, let me, you know, chill with, you know, not breaking the bank just for me and let me get some pieces around here to where we can really make a run and bring one back to L.A. Yeah, unfortunately, I've never seen a situation where LeBron's not willing to break the bank. He's going to take his check. Um, I don't ever see him backing off his money. A few other interesting things is the the Bronny thing coming up in the question. I know LeBron James doesn't want to talk about it. As he tweeted, can you all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? Uh, again, talking about Bronny because Bronny has fallen out of the NBA mock draft completely. So he's not even in the NBA mock draft. His stock is falling quite a bit. Uh, do you think people are willing to gamble on Bronny anyways just because of the name? I mean, yeah, there's that. But, I mean, the man had a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like you, you, know, you know, sports is an investment. So even with LeBron understanding that, with, you know, trendsetting a lot of stuff with, of how stuff is done today and everything like that, you know, you would want him to be more healthier and, you know, to push him and everything like that. So there's no, there's no you know, push for him to be something like his dad. Like, that's going to be there regardless or not. So, you know, him staying back another year or him staying at college, like, out of that, that's not going – to hurt him in any shape or, 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 you know, situation at all. Like you can't compare him to his dad because his dad came from high school. Like they're not even doing what they were then. And he had all the hype with, you know, lottery pick and this and that and everything like that. And then the situation with his health happened. Mm-hmm. So what, him backing off a year, you know, giving a whole summer to attack and it's like, okay, this is, you know, to where you reach every, everybody, you know, all the stuff is fine. Uh, again, like I said, you know, that was a life-threatening thing. So, yeah, let him enjoy him being a kid. Like, I, I get, you know, what LeBron is saying or whatnot. And, you know, you got the media and everybody else putting a lot of pressure and stuff and like that. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, it was, a, it was a scary situation for the family. It was a scary situation for the USC athletics. It was a scary situation for, for anybody. No parents, you know, wants to see that happen to their kids. So, um Man, let 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 them handle their business. He, they got the right people around him, agency wise, whatever. They're, they're not going to mess with that. Um, I, I don't I don't think there's anything that nobody needs to to worry about. He'll come out next year and he'll show everybody exactly what we think he is, and he'll be a year 
away from what happened, you know, this this past this past spring or whatever. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I'll push back a little bit just because LeBron <laughs> to criticize the media when he is the media, he does this workaround <laughs> thing all the time. It was a couple months ago you're talking about Bronny being in the NBA, and now you're telling everyone, hey, just let him be a kid. You were just the same one saying, oh, I can't wait to play with my kid. You were talking about him being in the NBA just a couple months ago. Same thing about, I just want my kids to live a normal life sometime. Why do you name your kid Bron? It's just, you are the media, LeBron. You can't <laughs> criticize the media if you're going to be as outlandish with these takes as the media. It's just one of those things where he'll fight back sometimes, and it's like you're fighting back against the own narrative you set up. You know, you named your kid Bronny, but you want him to live a normal life. Uh, you don't want him to be talked about as this NBA prospect. Well, don't talk about playing with him in the NBA. You can do things to minimize the media yourself when you are such a big part of it. So the with LeBron James, it's fair. You know, I thought the media and him as a as a dad, I don't want to ever say anything against him as a dad because I do think the guy's a great father. You know, this is just sports. We'll keep it at sports. He's not a bad individual by any means. But when you're talking about the media, you're doing a lot of that yourself. You know, as LeBron James, the impact you have and what you say is going to be carried on. So to flash forward a couple months and now you're upset that people are talking about your son because he's outside of the mock draft. Well, you were just talking about playing in the NBA with him. So I don't really want to hear it, uh, at least from LeBron James. But with that being said, we do have to go to our last break here. This is the Dome Punt Hour with DeMornay Pearsonell. And of course, on the Allo VIP line, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with a local heart. You guys are always welcome to join the show. 402-464-5685. Shout out to TMZ on YouTube and anybody else. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Allo Channel 961. We'll throw it to break and be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the Don't Punt Hour on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here is your host, DeMornay Pearsonell. All right, welcome back into Ticket Weeknights. Harrison Arns on the ones and twos back here at the 1040 Ticket Studios. Here with the host, as always, DeMorney Pearsonell on the Allo VIP line, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with a local heart. Let's go ahead and bring him in. DeMorney Pearsonell, we got about four minutes left here on this last segment of the Dome Punt Hour. And again, 402-464-5685. Got any last-minute comments before we get to speed and power with Megan Walker to start the top of the next hour Good morning, personnel. You were talking to me earlier in the day about the Chicago Bears on what they should do on some options out there. You sent me um, a possible situation where they could land Saquon Barkley, get rid of Ibraflus, have Mike Vrabel be the head coach, uh, get Caleb Williams, and not Marvin Harrison Jr., get neighbors instead. Not a bad wide receiver, but with all those moves, a lot of that probably can't be done. Some of it can what should the Chicago Bears do now that they're officially on the clock and have been since the Super Bowl ended? Um, it's two ways they can necessarily go about it. Um, you know, I've told you before, you know, that, that the Chicago Bears organization doesn't really like to spend money on players. Yeah, that, I will so, say that's changed with polls. Polls is spending money, and that is new. Because <laughs> you're completely right in your statement that in the past it certainly hasn't been. Uh, we're going to fill out the salary cap. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to trade Fields for more draft capital, uh, and that way, because you know Fields is you know coming up on his fourth and fifth year, you know, with rookies on that uh, on their rookie deal. Um, so instead of spending the bank and breaking the bank at a, a, with that type of quarterback, because you know that's kind of the style now that everybody's trying to 
trend and, and, and get um, a guy that can, you know, run and throw. Um, they're going to trade him away, get more draft capital, and build pieces. You take a quarterback, and in four or five years, you can, you know, rebuild uh, with a rookie quarterback with not, you know, breaking breaking the bank um, in that position. You can get other pieces around. You can have more money in free agency to, you know, beef up your offensive line or get you a, a running back or, you know, there's, there's, there's other ways um, uh, uh, to, to go about it. So I, I think that, that that's what they're going to do just because it's, you know, from a from a business standpoint, it would be better for their organization. But um, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. Who knows? Um, it's just as a Bears fan. I'm so nervous about Caleb Williams because I think you're right that the Bears are leaning towards trading Justin Fields, make room for Caleb Williams. I'm not certain. I, I'm so uncertain about the quarterbacks, in particular with the draft. You've seen it over and over again. Uh, if you're not sure, ask the Carolina Panthers if it was worth it to them. The teams get this wrong all the time, and maybe it's not even the quarterback. Maybe it's see, the, the, but see, you say that with the Carolina Panthers, and that that's that's not that's not that quarterback's problem. He. He's a good quarterback. The, his supporting cast is terrible. But would you take C.J. Stroud um, instead? My point is it's so hard to figure out who's going to be the best quarterback. The, Chicago's going to have a problem. The, the, the Caleb is from, you know, the, the DMV area. He yes. went to school in Gonzaga. He's, he's familiar with playing in cold. But he played on the West Coast. That their their temperature is completely different than you know <laughs> what they, what he's about to do in Chicago. You you had a kid who played in Ohio, who plays outside, who played all in the Midwest, who understands and played in the cold games, and played at Penn State in November, or uh, then played in Michigan in November and whatnot. So that alone is going to be different. You don't have a dome, so. It, that's not that's not that's not an easy adjustment to to get used to. So there, there's there's different quarterbacks. You know, there's other situations that you can look at and whatnot. Uh, I don't think that that that's the the um, Bryce Young situation is fair. That's the, they 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 sold you know an arm and a leg to get him there. They they went in on him, and clearly, obviously, they weren't worried about what things are now. They're building for the future. So that's not a fair subject for them. <laughs> I, I did throw a pretty poverty franchise at you uh, for a counterexample. So I'll give you that one. The The Carolina Panthers, it's a mess right now. Front office, head coaches, no one really seems to know what they want. Just tell me this. are you If you're running the Bears, are you taking Caleb Williams, is that the answer and how clear of an answer is it? To me, I feel like no. So yeah, you, you are uh, in the camp. Just... I would keep fields if it's my choice. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and, and I say that be, because there are two different types of style of, of quarterbacks. Um, Fields Phil, bring a difference to the game with his legs. I'm not saying that Caleb can't run, but that's not his style. Um, that's, that's not, you know, what he does. And, oh, he can be, oh, uh, a generational quarterback and everything like that. Uh, Pat Mahomes might not be Pat Mahomes if he goes to – if, if he doesn't get Andy Reid, because Mahomes yeah. is supposed to go to the Saints. If if him and Sean Payton would have got together, you don't know what that would have looked like. So, I, you know, like I said, the NFL is a, is a copycat league, and everybody's looking for, you know, the next type of thing and whatnot. But you got to have the right organization to develop, you know, those kids and get them, you know, over the hump. Um, 
so many people say, oh, this kid's a bust or he or he didn't work out and whatnot. When honestly, you might not have the right people around him to help him, you know, get to the point. Again, you're drafting a 21, 22, maybe 23 year old kid into a man's game of dudes that have been, you know, there for years and playing around. And so there's a bit of adjustment uh, to be done on that on that fact. And, and just to write them off and say, oh, well, he's this and he's that. Like, no, you didn't have the right people there to coach him. He hasn't been in one system since he left college. So I'm not – to me, I, I wouldn't. He's done a lot for what he what he has there. But, again, I'm not an NFL, you know, exec. But that's just me, you know, outside looking in of, you know, playing the game and understanding how stuff goes. But yeah. Good we, we got to get out of here. But well said. Uh, well said again. Because, again – it's one of those situations that's going to be tough to figure out, but the Bears got to figure it out soon. So we're getting out of here. Speed and power up next.